You're listening to Photo Tea with Anissa D, where we share all things related to photography. Welcome to episode 20 of Photo Tea with Anissa D. Today, we're going to be talking about breaking into the luxury and editorial photography market. And to talk about this fun topic with me, I have the talented Molly McCauley joining us for this episode. So Molly, could you please tell us who you are and where you're from? Yeah, happy to. I am based in Los Angeles and the New York markets for my wedding work. And I have always been in in the art world, grew up in a very artistic family, but I'm one of those rare people who has multiple degrees in photography. I got my undergraduate degree in photography and I have my master's of fine art in photography with the intention of teaching. And instead of teaching, my wedding business just kind of took off. So I have been photographing weddings since 2009 and finally got back to education when I launched my editorial workshop business in 2021. Awesome. Awesome. How was going to, I think you're the first person I've spoken to who went to school for photography. How was that? How has that benefited you and your business? Oh, girl. (laughs) Let me me tell you. Undergraduate was really interesting because I went to the University of Minnesota. And while they have an amazing arts program, they didn't have a photography major. So what I had to do was petition to this College of Liberal Arts in order to make a major that was rounded out in an art degree. So I actually have a Bachelor in Individualized Studies is how they technically classify it, but that's focused in photography, design, and retail merchandising because I've always wanted, I've always had a passion for fashion and wanted to go down that route. So it just made sense to have that well-rounded degree. So that element has really lended to this next venture in my business in terms of having the fashion background because I've also worked in fashion. Mm -hmm. But My master's degree was a beast. And I say that lovingly in the sense that it is the best thing I would never do again, um, (laughs) only because it, it almost killed me. But I will say that with that degree, I, you know, developed a lot of tenacity. I, I was really a common theme within my life is I'm technically a, but like a black sheep always. I've always just kind of like gone against what, what I'm supposed to. I've never taken a traditional route really in anything. So for me, it was tough because for two and a half years, I was swimming upstream and it was really, really critical and really, you know, forces you to take a hard look at you as an artist and whether or not you're willing to let outside voices influence your art. And if you're not, you'll make it. <laughs> but if you are, it can get very sad and lonely and daunting and not very fun. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm so happy I did it because now I have the ability to actually go the collegiate route if I do want to become a professor or anything of that nature. But I also just am so well-rounded in the sense of taking feedback and receiving feedback and not, you know, even though I take some things personally, not letting it affect me in the same way because art school can really beat you down. And I I had a really great practice for putting myself out in the art world as an independent point of view. Yeah, definitely. And I think receiving feedback and knowing kind of how to how to receive that is very crucial and in sharing feedback to others. And like you said, teaching others and educating. So the fact that you went through that experience yourself, I think definitely makes you well suited to educate others and share your expertise. So I'm really happy you shared that. So you kind of sounds like you paved your own path. How did you first like know you wanted to study photography? What was your introduction to photography? Sure. So my mom was an art teacher. So growing up, my sister and I were both very involved in arts. We're both in creative fields. Like it's always just been ingrained in us. I will say from a very young age, I found school to be very difficult. So I always was the person who had to do all the extra credit, like projects, the creative things that could help bump my score up or bump my grade up because I would fail tests and I was not great at like logistical homework stuff. So for me, art has always been a means of survival, but it's also been very fun. And I was encouraged from my mom very young. She gave me my first camera. I think when I was going to summer camp at age seven or 
eight. I mm-hmm. can't even remember at this point. You are far too young to remember this, but like anyone who is a millennial or older, like will remember those iconic, they look like it, the shape of it is like an enlarged harmonica. And it was like lilac purple was my sister's. And then I had like a slider Olympus and it was so, so funny and very nostalgic, but yeah, I, I was always just the person who had a camera. And then when I went to college, I went to the same school that my sister did and she happened to be graduating the next semester. So she very kindly <laughs> registered for the art classes that I wanted so that I could get into the photography courses since they were so sought after. Mm-hmm. And I just, I really lucked out. So had that not happened, I might not have gotten as much experience or as many classes under my belt to really know whether or not that would would be my passion. And when I lived, I lived in London for a while, I worked for a fashion house and I just, I worked in the PR department. So I was always pulling looks for magazine editorials and photo shoots and all that kind of stuff. And the creative side, the, the being the creator has always been very exciting for me. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely want to talk to you all about editorial photography. Mm. And to start off, like... What did you start off shooting professionally? Was it always editorial or I'd love to kind of hear about like what you got started in? Like every photographer, you really will do anything and everything just to kind of like get those first paying gigs. So for me, I ended up, I was, when I first moved to Los Angeles, I was a nanny. I was taking, I was taking family photos. I was taking photos of kids branding stuff because Los Angeles is just such a, you know, great hub for that type of demographic or genre of people needing those type of images, headshots, anything. I was shooting anything. And honestly, I was shooting a lot of it for free because I just needed content. Mm -hmm. The great thing about going and getting my master's is a number of those projects and school assignments that I had, I audited, audited some of the undergrad classes which allowed me to build a little bit more of a fashion portfolio. I mm-hmm. actually never shot fat. I have never professionally shot fashion until I would say like the last like five-ish years because most of my content was families, headshots, that kind of stuff. And then I shifted into weddings in 2009 is when I shot my first wedding. So I've been at this for a while and that kind of snowballed. But also while I was shooting weddings, I didn't have a lot of faith in myself in the beginning in terms of being a business partner. And as a photographer, I felt strong, but as a business person, I didn't really have a lot of confidence in myself quite yet. So I always had side hustles. So it'd be like wedding photography. I worked in like a gallery. We opened the gallery in in West Hollywood. And then I also had an influencer program. And I know that there's so many documentaries out there now that like kind of show what the behind the scenes of of that world is. But Mm -hmm. I had a photography program for influencers that, you know, they they had better pricing based on the frequency that they were shooting with me. So that was my first shift into lifestyle fashion. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that was really fun. And honestly, it was consistent money. So like that was the nicest bit is it was a more consistent paycheck than weddings. So for me, that was the first shift into fashion. And then fashion really within the wedding world has only evolved the last few years I've, I shoot at New York Bridal Fashion Week. I've shot at shows, but I've also like worked with bridal stylists that I'm shooting BTS of them at Fashion Week. I've also shot for individual brands. So it's, it's really just kind of a mixed grab bag at this point. But there was a lot of building that had nothing to do and was not glamorous. Mm-hmm. I would say the first eight, seven or eight years in my business, there was a lot of hustle there for a while. Yeah. So do you do wedding photography now or a combination of editorial weddings right now? Yeah. So my business went full-time wedding where I cut pretty much everything else out. I would Mm -hmm. say about five years ago, I was still offering mini sessions for my clients just as like legacy clients. But even those I cut out two or three years ago because I wanted to focus solely on my wedding clients and really be able to offer 
something a bit more dynamic and really step into my voice. So starting in 2020, I want to say is when I did my rebrand and it was, it was just so refreshing to step into only that and have such a singular focus and really focus on building the education at the same time, because the vision is the same. How I'm photographing a wedding client is the same way as how I visualize and produce a wedding editorial. So those go hand in hand. So my editorial stuff is the mix between, you know, New York Bridal Fashion Week or any sort of lookbooks that, you know, designers hire me for and the productions that I put on for my students or mentees or any of anyone who's interested in branded editorial content. I put together those shoots as well. So it's a really nice balance um, between the two. Got it. Awesome. So a mix of kind of wedding editorial work and then also mentoring education. Yeah. A mix of the two. I love that. That's that's awesome. And I really want to get into like more about editorial photography and just kind of pick your brain a little bit about everything that it, it entails. So my first question yeah. for you is how do you come up with concepts for your editorial work? Like looks, locations. I know you're really into fashion, outfits. What inspires inspires you? Yeah. I mean, so much inspires me. I will say that the fashion is the one of the largest components. When I have my one day workshops in New York, they are focused solely on fashion and locations so that people have marketable images so that, you know, they can geotag or blog or do anything like put them on Pinterest so that it will generate SEO content for them so that they're able to market that. And those are solely are very heavily focused on, on the fashion element on my multiple day workshops. You know, there's definitely the fashion, but then you bring in the multiple other components of it, which are very, like, I prefer minimalistic design. I think it can still be done in a luxe way. So I'm very focused in a specific design aesthetic. And that's something that I think make pretty, which is my workshop editorial workshop series is really feels different than a lot of the other workshops that are out there because there are so many that are amazing that already exist, but I feel like none of them really fit the aesthetic that I wanted to produce. So it's just trying to fill the gap there. So those, I think fashion first, but then design aesthetic and location are a huge, huge component. And the main thing that I try to do is because I have a flagship workshop in New York and California every single year. But then there are other elements and locations that I like to incorporate so that if, let's say, somebody from the U.S. wants to target destination weddings, you know, I'll offer an international workshop once or twice a year. And that way they can get some international content to show that they're traveling. So my inspiration really focuses on the location that I am. And because New York is so iconic for fashion and architecture, those are heavily emphasized there. But I have an upcoming workshop in Montana. And for that, it is heavily influenced by the landscape. So mm-hmm. for me, it's textural design elements and fashion that moves, that's not going to feel rigid, that's going to go with the airflow. So it's really, everything's really customized based on the location. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what does that preparation look like? How do you do everything yourself as far as outfits, as far as scouting? Do you have help? Like, I'd love to just kind of hear about the entire preparation process. Sure. And I think what's important too to understand is the term editorial. I think it gets kind of a hot, you know, term and people like to throw it around very loosely, similarly to luxury or anything like that, that is open to interpretation a bit. Mm-hmm. The main thing about something being quote unquote editorial, if you actually look at the definition, it really is a series of images that are supposed to accompany or tell a story. So when you think of editorial, a lot of times, you know, that started with like an editorial team at a newspaper or a magazine publication. Those are all images that we need to be able to look at that emphasize and tell a story or complement text or words. So when I'm developing an editorial, I'm really thinking about the storytelling that's behind it. What are we trying to convey? Are we trying to convey this big banger party, you know, in Ibiza? Or what are we, are we trying to do this like luxury elopement in, you know, Mexico? What are we, what are we trying to do? And what are the parts of this? that really help reinstate that story. Now, 
as a type A person, I am very, I am very hands-on in every element of this because it's my baby. I am, I love to have my hands in everything, but I do love to bring on professionals who are going to make it better than I can. So I, you know, always hire professional stylists, like wardrobe stylists, bridal stylists, not just to source gowns, because I have usually have a very specific vision of what I want in terms of wardrobe, but also just to help implement, get our couples dressed, get our models dressed. I can't be everywhere on the implementation day. So really trusting my team, which is, you know, luxury hair and makeup teams that I've worked with for a number of years that travel with me florists that really understand my vision and aren't just going to go rogue and do what they want with certain color palettes. Like there are very meticulous things that I put into place that like, you know, when people come on board, they know what their role is and they know how to excel in their expertise, but they also know that it is very collaborative and that I'm going to have a creative director role in this whole thing. Yeah. Definitely. That is makes so much sense. And just as far as like preparation for an actual editorial wedding, like yeah. what is your approach for like a real, real life wedding? What does that look like? Yeah. So I am constantly looking for inspiration. I, some of my favorite photographers are master photographers and much older. They're not current. So for me, I'm constantly looking at that. I'm looking at fashion magazines for posing or something that I always like to tell people who get stuck with groomsmen when they don't know how to when they don't know how to pose grooms and their you know wedding party look at album covers look at band album covers or like old old school like cd covers mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. look at that because that really was such an iconic way of displaying usually a number of men in one small setting in, in a dynamic way. And it's like, okay, every client is going to feel differently about that, but there are some clients that are willing to do the crazy with you. So, you know, have that in your back pocket for when you do get those clients. So for me, there's a lot of visual preparation, but it also stems from having a lot of conversation and communication with the clients and the planner, because the planner usually has the design vision of like how things are going that way. But it's really important for my clients to understand, to truly get an editorial style and to truly get a candid type photo photojournalistic style. They usually have to relinquish some control. And a lot of times, you know, we get brides or grooms that, you know, can micromanage our process. And that can be very stagnant to you on a wedding day. And how many times have you been on a wedding day where it's like, oh shoot, I'm so focused about the timeline and like their shot list because they have an insane amount of groupings that I can't even be creative. I'm so stifled. Mm. So I, I got to a point where I was so sick of that, that my approach completely changed. And I just revamped how I approach and how I communicate my process to clients so that when they sign on with me, they know exactly what they're going to get. Yes, they're going to get post photos for their family. They need those logistical photos, but they also have to give me time and space. They, the time, heavy emphasis on time. Mm-hmm. They need to be able to give me the time to be creative and see them naturally interact with each other so that if they do need gentle direction, I'm happy to give it. But real editorial photos just have an essence about them. And, you know, editorial can look very candid and obscure or even abstract, but editorial can also be like power poses in a studio or against a blank blank wall if they want something very clean, minimalistic, but almost more of like a, you know, a Beyonce and Mm -hmm. Jay-Z posing moment together. So, you know, both of those are editorial, but they're very different vibes. And, you know, really communicating what what you offer, but then really finding out what your client wants and where Mm -hmm. they lean, what publications are they interested in. That will give you really indication on the freedom and the approach. Not saying you need to change your process for every client, but I think it does help guide how you interact with them. Yeah, definitely. That communication is very crucial and just in any photography niche, but 
especially definitely editorial and story with a storytelling approach. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, I did want to also kind of dive into, I know you've mentioned words like luxury, high end. I'd love to talk to you about like breaking into the luxury or high end photography market and starting off with your experience. How did you personally break into that market and kind of go from there? Yeah. So I was very lucky. I was actually a planner for years before I was a photographer Mm -hmm. and I worked, I assisted a well-known planner in Los Angeles and we worked on very high level events. So for me, I, I was very early on introduced to luxury events very early on in my wedding career. And I wasn't, I, I wasn't aware of how much of that had seeped into my wedding experience. So I just, I saw how things were produced. I saw how vendors were treating their clients. I saw how things were presented. So I would say very early on, I had a, I had a very high, not necessarily touch point process for my clients, but I had a high level of service for them. And, you know, that's something that you really have to think about when, okay, am I, am I offering? Yes, everybody wants to make more money. And I think automatically people think luxury equals money. That's not the case. There is a lot of work that goes into this, but there is a refinement that needs to be made to your craft and to your processes. So the first thing, you know, to really examine is how am I up leveling my interaction for my clients? How am I making them feel? How am I setting a different tone than somebody else or setting you know, a bigger or better standard for the experience that they're having. And then that goes twofold of when you really want to switch into luxury, your clients now are planners. They're not necessarily, you're not targeting people on Instagram anymore. You really want to be cultivating relationships. And I would say that was what really catapulted me into the entry level luxury. And there's so many different tiers of luxury you know, entry level luxury, mid, you know, mid luxury, ultra luxury, those are like insane budgets, right? So for me, it was really cultivating relationships with people who I wanted to work with, putting myself in the room of other luxury wedding professionals. And that incorporates networking events, different types of communities to join that those people are a part of. So really just making my presence known, and this takes time, This isn't something that, you know, you go to one networking event and you introduce yourself to Minnie Weiss and she's all of a sudden going to hire you. No, that's not the case. It's, it's, you know, it's developing and investing in yourself and your brand to show up in this luxury space to be identified as a luxury provider. Yeah. So it's, it's very nuanced and I will say it took me a long time. As I mentioned before, it took me a long time to take myself seriously So I would say I started to cultivate those relationships probably back in 2016, 2017, where I was really starting to book with those people in 2018. So, you know, a year or two years of networking, making myself seen, and just really cultivating the relationship without feeling needy. So Mm -hmm. if you're going to reach out to somebody, don't reach out to them and be like, Hey, I want to work with you. I would love to be considered for one of your clients. Great. So would everyone else. So for me, it's like, okay, how can you provide, how can you give value to them? Like, how can you make that planner or that vendor or that venue? How can you make their life easier? That's the best way to get referral and referral again. So for us, we're used to coming from the budget, mid-market, high-end, we're used to couples finding us where, you know, that's a, that's a one-time thing, hopefully. Hopefully they're not coming, <laughs> you know, for their second wedding or their third wedding, like unless it's a vow renewal, cool. But like, you know, the, the planners and the venues, the vendors, all of those people, they're the ones who are giving you repeat business. So Mm -hmm. those are the relationships you start to focus on as you transition out of those budget to mid high level tiers. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And what would you say like is the difference between, like you said, entry level luxury versus premium high end luxury? Sure. In my, my brain, I have it kind of compartmentalized into three sections for what I would say the mass market is in, Mm -hmm. and then three sections for the luxury market. 
that mass market is where the majority of, you know, vendors live and where the majority of weddings exist, really. So we're looking at budget brides who for, and again, take it with a grain of salt. This is just where numbers live in my brain of where I associate those numbers just after, you know, being in the wedding industry for 15 years. This is what kind of sticks in my brain. And Mm -hmm. to be, to be honest, over the last two years, inflation is real. Numbers are, numbers, numbers are going up, but so for budgets, budget brides, they're not going to spend more than 3,500, 4,000 on a, on a wedding photographer. They're just not, they're looking, they're looking for a deal. They usually want the most Mm -hmm. of, of everything. They want all the things, but they also are realistic about their budget. They're not looking to go over that. I would say the mid-tier would then be that 4,000 to 7,000-ish, where in a lot of markets can be a dead zone because that feels very luxury to some people and or it's not high enough in some markets. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it can be it can be a hard little middle market to live in because there is is a difference there. I will say, though, I spent a lot of years at that 5,500 mark and booked a lot of weddings. And Mm -hmm. clients were great and it was fine. All good. I will say as you shift out of there into more of like what I would focus on as a high-end client in that mass market, they're looking at 7,500 plus, like maybe up to like 10K, 10, 11K. Mm -hmm. And what is funny is they are spending what to them in a, in a, a lot of money a lot of money and to all of the rest of the mass market, like those 3000 brides, the $3,000 brides, the $5,000 brides, when someone's paying $9,000 or $10,000 for a wedding photographer, that's a lot of money. That is a luxury wedding event in their brain in the mass market. And a lot of times I find that those couples can be the most high maintenance because even though they are paying a, a somewhat very standard wedding price for a photographer now, they feel that they're luxury. So they want all the bells and whistles. They want all the things. They want all, they want albums. They want the engagement session. They want rehearsal mm-hmm. dinner covered. They want all the things and they need a high touch point. They need to feel very pampered. So that's the mass market as I see it. And it, it can be, it can be really tricky. It can be tricky yeah. to get out of any of those and make that jump because sometimes it requires a massive up level on your part in terms of portfolio, what you're showcasing, but also the experience that you're providing. So when you shift into luxury, I would say there's entry level luxury, there's kind of mid tier luxury, and then there's ultra ultra luxury. And ultra luxury are going to be those photographers who charging 50, 60, 70, 80, you know, thousand plus a wedding. And you know, there's a hundred K like you there's there's so many different different photographers who charge that and justify it and are warranted. And they've built the brand notoriety. They have that underneath their belt. But this entry-level luxury, I would say, would probably be in between that 12 to 15, 16 range. And then that mid-tier, I would say, like baseline would be around 18 to like 25. And then you're looking at a, you know, or even... 18 to 20 to like 40 K for a wedding photographer. And then, you know, those ultra luxury photographers who are shooting just, you know, obscene amounts of money or Mm -hmm. making obscene Mm -hmm. amount of money. And what I will say that I've seen between those three markets is yes, there is a very high level of, of experience, but the, the really interesting part when you shift into luxury is it becomes much more hands-off. And that's hard for a lot of people, especially if you fancy yourself a people person. When I started wedding photography, I wanted to be my couple's friends. I wanted to like hang out with them after. I wanted, you know, we'd go to happy hour. That's like really no longer the case in most cases. They're they're very hands-off. They are you are usually, you know, dealing with just the planner. There are times where I have not even talked to the client before I showed up on welcome dinner coverage. And that can be very hard for some people to transition into. So it's just an, it's a a huge mindset shift. Mm -hmm. And when you're ready to make the jump into that, I highly suggest getting a coach, a business coach, a mindset coach, 
or, you know, join a mastermind of some sort that can really help prepare you emotionally and mentally for that shift. Because yeah. it, it sometimes has much less to do with your craft. And these, these people are shooting on the same cameras as everybody else. It's, it's not, it's nothing like that is changing. It's more so of they understand perceived value and they understand their worth and they understand branding and packaging and all of that stuff. So when you're making the shift into those or the jump into those, I always recommend working with a coach to prep yourself before you really make that huge shift because you need to be ready for those type of experiences and those type of interactions. There is a certain way that people expect you to interact. There is a certain level of presentation on how you're presenting numbers, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's honestly why I have so many questions. I feel like all, no, of, all of my questions are in my, are in my head right now. I wanted to ask, because you mentioned that sometimes in your like ultra high luxury clients that you don't interact with them kind of throughout the process. So I am kind of curious, how do you then create a luxury experience? Because for me, I was kind of thinking luxury is, you know, you're putting way more time, way more, mm -hmm. you know, all of that. So I'd, I'd love to hear like what that what that is, what a luxury yeah, experience really entails. And, and I don't want to belittle what this actually takes to totally. live in the luxury space, but I will say it's, it, it's not necessary. It doesn't mean more work. It just mm -hmm. means more focused work. And this is where that shift goes, where I mentioned to you earlier, your couple is no longer your client. Your planner is. So your high touch point and your luxury experience is now focused solely on that planner. How, how are you treating that planner? How are you making their life easier? How quickly are you getting them previews for the next day that feature their work? Not just the couple, but feature the design work that they've put in. How, how are you giving them resources that promote and that they can use that showcase their work that, you know, of course they're going to have to tag you in because you're the photographer, but how are you, how are you being an asset to them? Like, are, are you able to offer them branding photos for their, for their new website launch? Like how are, what is the value that you are providing to those team members that a warrants your price point, but B also makes them want to work with you again. Yeah. So it's a totally different shift because immediately when you think luxury is you're like, Oh my God, I have to do this. I have to send client gifts. I have to do all this stuff. Right. I have gotten away from all of that. And it is much more focused on making sure I am putting my energy towards what actually matters to the planner and ultimately mm -hmm. the couple client. But having fluff candles sent to somebody doesn't matter. Doing, doing a quick mini session of a planner with their family at the holidays, that matters. So mm -hmm. shifting how you are looking at your offer and not focusing solely on the couple, but focusing more so on, on the person mm -hmm. who got you the business. Yeah. In, very interesting perspective. That's a new one for me, I will okay. say. So <laughs> I, I love it. I wanted to ask, how do you know if the luxury photography market is the right market for you? Because I'm sure a lot of people listening right now would probably yes. think, oh, that sounds really nice. Like I want to put in more focused work and make more money. But I can't imagine it's right for everyone. So what is your take on that? It's not. Yeah, it's not. And I think that there is a place for everyone and every market in this industry makes sense and we don't work without each other. Mm -hmm. So not everybody is a Jose Villa. Not everyone is producing that type of team. Not everyone is producing a five-day event where they are not sleeping and they have overnight editors. Not everyone is doing that. That mm -hmm. is an ultra luxury experience. So for those that don't have the bandwidth to do that, we all have to exist somewhere. And there are a lot of people who I know that are like not stay-at-home moms, but they're moms and they have kids and they want to spend summers with their kids. They don't want to be gone every weekend. So for them, hitting at that high end of the mass market is sweet because if they can book 10 weddings a year at 10K, that's a, that's a six-figure wedding business with only being gone for 10 weekends. Like right. how amazing is that? So you really need to think about your priorities, how much time you want to spend away from your family, how much time, you know, you want to invest in, into working and trading your time for money, not necessarily your skill, but your time because wedding days, the prep, all of it, engagement sessions, 
Are you including engagement sessions or are you now making them a la carte? So making your time more valuable. So thinking about all of those things and really just figuring out what feels good for you. I knew when I started that volume was never going to be my thing. And I know people who crank out 30, 40 weddings a year and I don't know how they do it. I don't know how their body holds up. I don't know how any of that is sustainable. That's how my brain works. It just, it, it doesn't make sense. So for me, I always knew, okay, I'm not going to be volume. I'm going to have to have a side gig, where, which was that lifestyle program until I can make enough money on my weddings that, you know, allows me to leave it. So mm-hmm. gradually growing my business and then making a few large jumps throughout my career has been, has been pivotal in getting me there. But that doesn't mean that I'm now going to shoot 30, wedi- 30 <laughs> weddings a year because at this higher rate because I want to make mm-hmm. more money. I'm still committed to plus or minus 15. That's mm-hmm. pretty much where I've been. I've never shot more than 18 weddings in a year. And Gosh. that's just been my mentality. And I think that that is how I've been able to stay strong through these mm-hmm. 15 years and not get, bur- not get burnt out. Like I, I know photographers who are less than five years into their business who are hating life. And right. it's, it's really just figuring out what feels good, what feels good for you and how can you sustain that life? Whether that means you're now not maybe promoting headshots, but you're doing it on the side or, Mm -hmm. you know, you're still, you're still practicing your craft or, you know, figuring out how you can make that supplemental income, but finding out where you fall in that, what's more important time or money, and then work backwards and see where you fall in the scale of mass market or luxury. And, you know, for me, I'm, I, I don't know that I have, have it in me to do ultra luxury. I just don't, I don't know. That is, I have, I have anxiety already. So like for me, having the anxiety of that level of client, I've worked with celebrities in the past. It's fine. It's also a lot of pressure. And I don't know that I have that in me to to do it, to do it that, that extensively at that level, that consistently to be, you know, it's really amazing to be that sought after photographer and be that Mm -hmm. notable name in the industry. But I don't, I don't think I have it in me. Do I want to hit that mid tier luxury? Absolutely. Because there isn't the same sort of notoriety or brand recognition, but you're still shooting amazing events, working with incredible vendors that just, you could never imagine dreaming up some of the stuff that you shoot Mm -hmm. in amazing locations and making, making money because people see the value in what you've provided. So that's, that's the goal for me is, is, is to make it in that range. But because I am older and I want to really explore my long lost love of education, you know, weddings, weddings aren't necessarily my main goal anymore. It's really about finding the balance of weddings and how can I help other photographers? How can I help them build the business of their dreams? How, how can I help them shift their perspective? I I talk a lot about having an aesthetic point of view. And it's really important, I think, as you build your business and your brand to have a notable sense of artistry. And Mm -hmm. so that when people scroll on Instagram, they know, oh, that's Molly's work. Or like a lot of times when people scroll, they see, oh, you know, that's definitely an Elizabeth Messina (laughs) portrait. Or, you know, you just, you tend to, you tend to identify those, those people. So really just kind of, you know, niching into, into your aesthetic point of view and, and figuring that out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That was very insightful. And I, I do have a follow-up question. Yeah. Let's say someone is listening to this and wants to reach out to you for coaching. Oh, Can yeah. everyone do it? So like some people may may think, okay, that all sounds like me in here. Even I'm thinking, okay, that sounds like me, but I'm mm-hmm. I'm similar to you. I do have anxiety and in, you know, performance and wanting to to do my best. So is it right for everyone? I guess how do you know, or how would would you accept just anyone? How do you know if it's right for, for someone to get into the luxury photography market? Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think it goes back to what I mentioned earlier about getting that next set of eyes and ears on your business. So hiring a coach, whether, I mean, whether that's me, whether that's you join a mentorship where there's 10 masterminds, whether that is 
there's so many different ways to get your hands on stuff. So I would really seek out somebody who is already in that market or well-established in the wedding world that can really give you that insight of be like, hey, I'm looking at your website right now. And this is what I think that you are. This is where I think you're currently at. And I think with these small tweaks, we could really refine the website. And, you know, it would instantly give your brand a facelift. And this is how we would want to shift your strategy on what you're showing in order to attract a certain type of client. That doesn't mean that everybody in every wedding that you shoot is a portfolio client. That can, that gallery can be delivered and that can, that can just stay, (laughs) stay Mm -hmm. in your gallery cyberspace forever. That does not need to hit your Instagram and it does not need to hit your website. So really creating a strategy and seeing where you realistically are, because a lot of times people are like, oh yeah, I want this. I want this. I want this. But they are out of touch with where they actually are. And sometimes it just takes a trusted person and an educated person within the industry who's seen it to be able to say, hey, this is realistically where I think you're at. And this is what we need to do to make the shifts to move forward. And whether or not that means you need to work on some branding stuff, you need to work on your brand voice, you need to figure out what your actual like pillars are as a business. Like, what do you stand for? What are you influenced by? All of those things. That's why, that's why I think coaching or masterminds or any sort of help on mindset and branding and visual, I think is really important. And that would be my, that would be my suggestion is, is find somebody who can give you a little bit of a a, a lighted path to go down. Obviously nothing's guaranteed. I can't tell you, you know, if we work together, I offer three month mentorships and I can't tell you after three months that you're going to be booking luxury weddings, but I can tell you that your visual brand will be on point. Like you will have a solid direction of where you're going and how to attract the people that you want. I had one, I had one mentorship uh, student who signed on for three back-to-back mentorships and we cultivated an entire new brand. She launched a new business new copy, new head, like headshots, new website. And we did custom editorial workshops. She attended two of my workshops in California to build an entire body of work that aligned with where she wanted to go. And that's how I changed my business too, is I, I, I was so bored with the weddings that I was shooting because design wise, they weren't exciting for me. And that's not to say they weren't beautiful. It was just to say I had been doing that for five years that it had gotten really stagnant. So for me, I I created three editorials for myself of my dream clients and what they would have done and what they would have worn and locations that they would have been at. And that's what I put out there. And you have to show what you want. So working with somebody to get those things in check would be my number one suggestion to anyone who wants to explore the avenue of jumping markets, whether it means into the luxury or whether that just means from the budget market to get out of it. Mm -hmm. Start working with somebody. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Are there any tips that you can share right now? Just even if it's super simple on tips for branding or marketing yourself. I know you mentioned kind of like showing what you want to attract really fine tuning your brand. Is there anything else specifically that you would recommend just in this conversation? Yeah. My number one tip to people is curation is key. So I don't know if it's just because I'm a fine from a fine art background and have worked in galleries and just have been very attuned to having to call down my work. I think those that have trouble with culling and like getting their image countdown have a really hard time refining their their brand image mm-hmm. and because there's too much there's too much stuff so my num- a very easy tip would to be go on look at your website or i have a i have a website audit offer if anybody wants to reach out to me i'll give you a little hookup pricing because you're listening to this it's a very attainable service and we go through and we audit and we say hey these images don't look like they belong with everything else. So mm-hmm. we just need to remove them. And I think I, I think that there's a misconception of websites, especially for wedding photographers, that you need like a six to nine to 12 galleries of different weddings. It's not the case at all. I started booking entry-level luxury weddings with a highlight reel. I had no galleries. I had nothing. I had a very, very specific 
curated highlight reel that had no more than 40 images on it. And Mm -hmm. that's how I started booking work because it was so specifically curated for a, a very niche aesthetic that I love this minimalistic ikebana different type of aesthetic that that I just really love and fashion fashion that I love so I was attracting now brides that liked the same fashion designers as I do Daniel Frankel like Eli Saab any of those like I'm attracting now those couples because that's what I was putting out there so I think the the misconception of more makes you look more legit is a misnomer. I think I think refining your work, paring it down, getting rid of any fluff or anything that if if you look at a wedding and you'd say I'd never want to book that wedding again, take it off your website. Mm, that's really really good advice. Only sh- like we said, only show what you want yep. to attract and I think that's a hard thing for some people to do or <laughs> it's to really like really hard. I know yeah. I say it. I say it very effortlessly, but this has taken years of practice and implementation. And that's the only reason why I can talk about it so easily. Mm -hmm. But it is, it's not easy. That's also why those things like website audits and gallery curation, that's why those services exist. Because some people aren't great at knowing what looks good or, or that having that refinement yet. And the only way to do it is over time and practice. And by putting those pieces together and saying like, oh no, this collection of images has a very different impact or feeling than, than having all of these. So that's what we're going for. Yeah, absolutely. And are there any challenges that you personally faced when you got into the luxury photography market or that you've seen some of your students face and what advice would you give? Like, how did you overcome them? Yeah. I mean, I think to, to start with, I think that first five-figure wedding booking is a really big one. I think the first time you charge 10K for a wedding photography package or whatever that is, that feels very substantial as a business mm-hmm. owner. And the problem with that then is you never want to go back. <laughs> you never want to go below that again. And there is this fine wiggle room of like when you're transitioning out of out of those four-figure weddings that, you know, there is, there, there is a little teeter-totter of like, okay, I know that I'm booking this, but you know, I might have already booked a wedding for next year that was at 7k and I'm just going to have to deal with that. And there's this kind of emotional seesaw of, okay, I know that I'm going in this direction and regardless of what I've booked already, that's fine, but I'm not going to book anything less because I don't want to resent any of my couples going forward. So again, mm-hmm. it's being being very specific about putting putting what you want out there, but also having hopefully having some savings there to where if you're not booking, if you if you are relying on 25 weddings a year, mm-hmm. and and by raising your prices you only get 17, that's missed income for you. So you need to figure out like, hey, how can we make this jump? And if I'm not booking everything at 10K, I don't want to start booking things out of desperation. So how can I confidently keep my starting point or my basic, you know, let's say even you start at 8K, but your, your really good solid package that everyone is booking is at 10K. How, how can we keep that going without feeling the need to doubt yourself? Mm in moving forward because there is that fine line of of the back and forth when you make that transition. Yeah, definitely. I mean raising raising your prices I think in any market is kind of a scary feeling. Mm-hmm. And especially like you said getting into the five digit packages. So I can definitely imagine that and here I am thinking, man, would a coach be nice to have and to kind <laughs> of guide me through that. So I do want to ask yeah. if someone is looking to get into the editorial and just overall luxury photography space, what piece of advice would you give to them? I would really do your homework on luxury brands. I would look at fashion brands. I would look at home good brands that are luxury. You're not, you're not attracting luxury clients with Target styling. You're not picking mm. up a dress at Target. You know, you're going to Gucci and you're getting an mm-hmm. outfit. You know, it's, it's a very different vibe. Even even styling somebody in Gucci versus Hermes is a different vibe. Yeah. So there's different levels. So what I would say is do your research, 
find the brands that you really like, like really pay attention to what these, what these things cost. I mean, it, it really is insightful to just see how, how these things also are marketed. I know we hate spam email, but what the, one of the first things I did was I signed up for promotional email lists from brands that I was just really intrigued by their marketing. And it's like, okay, how are they targeting? These are all targeting luxury clients. They're, they're targeting me to buy a bag, but like, how, how can I see their approach and how can I apply that to my, to my clients? So that would be, that would be a big tip that if anybody is looking to get into it, that that would be a really insightful way. So just start researching these brands and start seeing how they're reaching and, and promoting to clients. Yeah. That's, that's wonderful advice. And actually the first time I heard of that. So I will be, I'll just be doing that as well and just taking a look, but yeah, well, thank you so much. I wanted to ask if you have any exciting projects that you're working on or any specific courses or mentorships that you offer that would be helpful for someone listening. Oh gosh, so many. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to rattle them off. I have an editorial (laughs) wedding editorial course that is available, very attainable price point. This is if you are willing and wanting to do it yourself, these will give you the steps and the, the focus points that I would advise you to focus on for editorials. If you're wanting to produce your own shoots. I also host editorials throughout the year. So by the time this airs, my New York workshops will have already released and they always sell out so fast. They, they actually release tomorrow to my email list. Yeah, I have two workshops in, in New York that are coming up this fall in September. So that's going to be really fun. I have one that is about to be announced soon in Mexico for this winter. So if you don't, want to do it yourself, then feel free to reach out. I have a number of produced editorials where you could just show up and, you know, be creative and play. This is the place to do it and really kind of step into that creative self again. The great thing about my editorials is they're limited to six people. So you don't have that same struggle that you do at a normal shootout or workshop. Whereas, you know, you're shooting under someone's armpit or over their shoulder um, (laughs) or feeling very competitive for that shot. It's a really like good, good atmosphere. And then lastly, I do offer different education or mentorship services. So like I mentioned earlier, I, I do website audits. Those are very attainable. I do gallery curation. So if somebody isn't sure, you know, what best images from, you know, an entire wedding gallery, I go through and I choose what I think best tells the story in the least amount of images. And then I also have a three month mentorship. So if people are needing, if people are needing coaching, I don't love to have anything commitment longer than that, because I think it's hard for a lot of people to see past three months. So I like to do these little sprint mentorships where with the opportunity to re-up if you want, and we can get a lot done in 90 days. So it's, it's, it's a really good way to, if you're looking to make moves and make them quick, that's how we focus it. And we focus, it's tailored specifically to your needs. It's not a curriculum. So, you know, we kind of assess what your goals are and then we just get to work. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Molly, for sharing that. And I'll be sure to include all of those links and information in the description for you all to check out. And where can everyone find you and follow you online? Sure. Yeah. My website, my wedding website is mollymacaulay.com. And my Instagram there is mollymacaulay underscore photo. And then all the editorial workshop content can be found at makeprettyworkshop.com. And that's the same handle for Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Again, I will make sure to include all of the information in the description. And yeah, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. And for those who listen to the end, thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. And I'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to Photo Tea with Anissa D. If you liked today's episode, please let me know by leaving a review and make sure to follow for more episodes. You can also follow me on Instagram at Anissa D Photography. See you back here next time for a new episode. Bye.